Good morning. <laughs> a day or two ago, I, I, I saw someone had written a note that says, if it wasn't for me, my mother wouldn't be able to celebrate. <laughs> so I don't expect any presents. <laughs> so, you know, talking about the, the rainbow, I thought uh, is really interesting. Just, a, a, I don't know, a week or so ago, my children and I, we saw a, rain, a complete rainbow, a circle going completely around the sun. You ever see a rainbow going around the sun? It's so, I mean, I got a picture of that, but not with me, but uh, it was so awesome. Uh, this is our first time here at Cornerstone, and uh, thank you for having us. And um, my wife we had the privilege of sharing with you yesterday at the mother's daughter banquet, and and uh, I'm trust you, the ladies who were there had a good time. Um, I was there. I went there also to to help in the kitchen, but well, it seemed like there were more men in the kitchen than there were ladies in the. <laughs> but uh, so I didn't uh, really. Uh, I was probably in the way. So, anyways, I had a, a free meal. <laughs> so. So thank you for having us. It's a privilege to be here. I remember I spoke to a young lady a few years ago. Her name was uh, Beth Larder, who, whom you know. And um, she told me about where she's from, from Rochester, New York. And so I got to know her, and she attends this assembly up here. And so um, that was, I don't know, a few years ago, but uh, then I forgot about her. And so I, when we were invited to come here, I Oh, I think I know someone in Rochester. You know, I met her in Sakeji, and um, I forgot her name, but then I saw her at the reception table yesterday, and so uh, it's nice to see her again. Um, I just want to share with you uh, a bit about the work that we have been doing in, in Zambia. Um, no, sorry, that's not the plane. That, uh, let me see if I can restart this or something. Um, okay. Uh, being, I, you know, as if you don't know already, I've been working as a missionary pilot and mechanic um, in Kenya, Tanzania, and Zambia for about 34 years. And so I just want to sh show you these slides. By the way, how much time do I have? <laughs> what time do you? Uh... Well, I'll try not to keep you past one thirty or two. <laughs> That's what you call African time. Okay, so I'll do my best. We'll go through these quickly just to give you an idea of the work that the Lord has been doing there uh, through us in Zambia. And then also I want to share God's word, a message from God's word. Um, and so, as you can see, uh, it started a long time ago in a faraway place. Uh, where this very blonde-headed young lady, young girl, was born in Sudan to the parents of Vern and Lorraine Sikama. He was also a pilot with Mission Aviation Fellowship. And uh, this young little girl was born in Sudan, right there. And uh, she also went to school, went through high school in Ethiopia at Addis Ababa. Uh, she went to uh, the United States in San Diego, to, uh, actually um, in Holland, Michigan, did her teaching and also 
uh, sorry, did her schooling in, in Michigan and then went out to San Diego and did, and did some teaching out there. She came back and in 1982 it was, I think she came back and she went to Nairobi, Kenya to be a teacher at a missionary, missionary school. But it also started a long time ago, but not so far away, where a certain young man did his flight training. <laughs> uh, you probably can guess who that was. And this is literally what I did. I would jump, I would swing on the swing really high and flap my arms and jump, you know, I'd jump off and flap my arms, but it just didn't work so well. And, I'd also take my mother's bed sheet from her closet, tie some strings to it, and go up on the garage roof and jump off, and, and it just didn't open in time, so, so that was me. Anyways, so in 1984, after I completed my training, then I went to uh, Nairobi, Kenya, and that's where I met my wife, Karen, and we were married that year. We served in Kenya uh, for five years, then moved down to Tanzania, and uh, we were flying with MEF at that time, right down at the bottom of Tanzania with MEF for seven years. And then from, from there, we moved over in 1996 to Zambia, right in that top little corner there between Angola and the Congo, right there at a place called Mbesa, oh sorry, Mbesa was in Tanzania, um, Kalani Mission. And so, well, I don't know how that got in there. That's what, as in Nairobi when we were married. So I'll try and go through these quickly, and so you can get home on time. Anyways, there's um, where that red arrow is. Is that's where Kalani Mission is, and I did most of my flying there. Let's see, we were 22 years total in in um, uh, in, in Zambia, and so this is Kalani Hill there. I don't know. Would it help if we turned out some lights here? Uh, you can see it better, but um, this is Kalani Hill, and that's one of our planes flying by the mission. Yeah, that's better. And uh, that's the airstrip. The Kalani Hill is there. Our house is right there on the corner of the airstrip, the hangar, the hospital, the school. And, uh, and so we worked with a group called Mission, well, we, we called it CMML Flight Service, but uh, then we changed the name to Mission Flight Services. And these are the two planes that we operated, a Cessna 182 and a Cessna 206, an eight-seater and a four-seater. Again, that's Kalani Hill. The mission started there in 1906 by Dr. Walter Fisher. And uh, just an aerial view of the hangar and the facility. You see this fence around here? Uh, I'll explain that later, but uh, there's, well, the purpose of that fence is to keep the plane and equipment and other things safe and secure. Um, you'll see why later on in the slides. This is uh, the hangar where we do all our maintenance and um, uh, working with the, the, uh, Joseph, he's the chief engineer. And uh, I would try and get my hands dirty now and then as well. Um, so that's just one of the other planes flying, coming in to Kalani. My wife did the flight following. She uh, would keep track of where the plane was at all times when flying. Uh, these are the roads. This is actually the, this is the main road from the mission to, to town. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> and our, our, 
Our, our kids like to crawl in that. They, they called it the Grand Canyon. And so, yeah, the roads, uh, so there, you see the reason why we had a flight service there in Zambia. The roads were not too, not too good. <laughs> it took days to get, well, actually, I think a tractor came along and they eventually got this out. But uh, this is our mission truck that uh, even though the, tar, the road is tar, but there's potholes here and there, and I think he was trying to avoid a bicycle and it flipped over. Fortunately, uh, he wasn't seriously hurt. Uh, the flight, uh, this is uh, the hospital uh, from, the, from, the air, from the air, and this is the nursing school. There's a Kalani book room here that uh, I'll talk a bit about later. There's the operating theater. The flight service is very involved in uh, doing medical evacuations to another hospital facility that, uh, uh, where they are maybe more equipped. And just a... Another plane, uh, so we're just, uh, like I said, doing medical evacuations. This is the KG school. Perhaps Beth had showed you some pictures of it while she was there. And uh, I always enjoy, you know, six times a year we would do our flights for the Sakeji children uh, to and from different places in, within Zambia. And so they're always a lot of fun to, to fly. And, you know, they leave the plane a mess with candy wrappers and all that. But uh, anyways, <laughs> They're a lot of fun to fly. Uh, so one of the places is Lusaka, the capital of Zambia that we fly to. The flight service operates a guest house where we can, uh, where our passengers have a place to stay when traveling to and, and to and fro. Uh, Kalani Mission Book Room, as I mentioned, there Kalani or Karen was involved uh, overseeing the operation of the book room. I used the library section of that. Uh, book room for discipleship classes. My son Nathan, he, uh, he's now a commended worker in Zambia, but he's home on furlough. He's, he's home uh, in the States. <clears throat> and I'll tell you a bit more about him later, but he came out and, and uh, he, does anybody recognize this picture? Does anybody know Chris Schroeder? <clears throat> yeah, okay. Um, He's, uh, he heads up the school that we've been teaching at recently, and I'll tell you a bit about, more about him later. So, so uh, anyways, this is a, a gospel outreach, you know, painting the chart. Uh, you know, in zombie, that means God. Anu, that means you. In Shidi, that means sin. And so Nathan came out and, and presented this and taught the guys there how to do it. And so these guys really uh, caught on quickly. Uh, even though they've had no experience in having art classes and having crayons that we grow up with and so on, but, uh, they caught on really well, and they were able to also take the, this outreach tool to, this is the outpatients department of the hospital, where they, patients are waiting to be seen by the doctor, and while they're waiting for hours, <laughs> uh, they are, it's a good opportunity to share the good news. And so also in the local village, we would take uh, and uh, do an open-air outreach there in the village market. Um, this small assembly that, that I'm speaking at, um, the Lord had opened a door. See, we, being a pilot, I'd fly everywhere I needed to go, but uh, we never had a car. And last furlough, the Lord provided a, a car. Uh, uh, it was sort of broken down, or at least... It was broken down when we got done with it. And uh, 
We're, it gave us the opportunity to go out to the village, uh, small village assemblies uh, around Kalani. Uh, this one was about 11 kilometers, you know, about eight miles away, uh, which we were able to go and help that assembly. This is outside of the building. That, that's the car that we used. And so here, these guys are helping with translation, and we're just waiting there for everyone to show up. Talk about African time. <laughs> you know, if, you, if the meeting is at, eight, uh, at 10 o'clock, we would be right there on time, but no one else would come until about 11 o'clock, you know, because they know that's African time. <laughs> you never show up when you're supposed to, but, but then uh, the meeting, that's why the meetings go on and on. Anyway, so uh, we're there, and so we're just sitting there waiting, and, but usually there's a bunch of kids all around, and, and so I thought, well, why don't we start a Sunday school or something while we're waiting? The kids come the first, you know, but the adults, they come a bit later. So we started a little Sunday school, and these guys, they, they led it, and they would teach it, and, and it was a, a lot of fun. They were meeting out, in the, out under the tree there, but uh, we also met inside. This is, this is what they sound like. charismatic, as you can see. <laughs> and so finally the adults show up, and we're able to uh, have a, a meeting there. And I don't know if you can tell from where you're sitting, but all the, usually all the ladies sit on one side of the room, and uh, all the men on the other side. That's what they like to do. Now this is a fence. You know, see this fence going around? This is the flight service uh, compound where the plane is parked, the hangar's behind us. And so, um, before I continue with this, I just want to read, um, it's, um, instead of taking a lot of time uh, trying to explain everything, I just, I wrote out a, 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 a short summary of a very long story that has happened. And so I'd just like to share that with you. <clears throat> um, there, doctor, missionary Dr. Walter Fisher, as I told you about, um, started Kalani Mission in 1906. The great-grandson of Dr. Fisher, a businessman, is the current owner of the land in which the mission hospital and flight service reside. For many years, um, for many years, uh, I lost my, for many years, the family has been trying to dictate and take control of what goes on at the hospital. The number of medical missionaries based at Kalani Mission Hospital dwindled over the years. Since December 2016, there has been no, me, me, no missionary medical staff apart from 
one mission flight service wife who was helping in maternity ward. The government has been putting more restrictions and regulations regarding personnel on all mission hospitals, making it even harder to operate. A, a former Kalani missionary came from New Zealand to help temporarily with hospital administration in 2017. In March of 2018, that's just last year, I had planned to fly him to Lusaka to catch his international flight back to New Zealand. The local people heard of it and became very upset because they felt that their last medical missionary was being forced to leave. They planned a demonstration. Hundreds of local people marched around the flight service facility. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, they marched around the flight service facility and our home at 4 o'clock in the morning, intending to prevent the plane from taking off. They were shouting that they loved the missionaries and did not want the hospital to be a government-run facility. However, mobs such as these uh, be, uh, can become violent. Um, the, flight, sir, the, the flight was canceled and many meetings with dignitaries ensued. Later we heard that the people had planned to stone the plane as it was uh, uh, if it had tried to take off. Instead, the missionary waited for calm to prevail and spoke briefly to the crowd, telling them that, it, that he was not going to fly out that day. Instead, he, instead we drove him out undercover by vehicle, and others helped him get to Lusaka for his international flight. <clears throat> so that gives you an idea, to, so you know what's going on here. This is a taxiway here, and you can see they're just blocking the gate. So I could not have taxied out anyway. It was a rude awakening at four in the morning. So this is the chief of police. This is a district commissioner who, who came there to meet with them and they tried to get this missionary guy who was there temporarily to, um, to talk to the people and to get them to calm down. This is a missionary from New Zealand. So as you can see, it was a very tense situation 
By the way, since our last furlough in 2015, Karen and I had planned to retire in uh, May of 2018 from the technical aspect of our ministry only and to focus on working with small local assemblies after our next furlough. After much prayer and consideration, the Mission Health Board and the Flight Service decided that they could no longer work under these conditions and they pulled out of Kalani Mission last July. For various other reasons, the Flight Service decided to downscale and relocate to Lusaka. Karen and I packed up, sold, and gave away many of our belongings, and the Loudons were, became the last missionaries to leave Kalani Mission. So, but one of my last flights that I had, um, the Lord, we talked about rainbows, you know, gave me this beautiful picture as I was flying along over this, his, uh, just, uh, just remind me of his many promises that he has in store for us, and he has blessed us with so many. Uh, and so these were just la the last few flights that I had uh, there in Zambia. And uh, it's just so breath breathtaking. These photos were not doctored or anything. It was just so breathtaking uh, that the Lord blessed me with. Uh, this, was actually, this was my actual last flight flying back to Kalani, uh, the, the hill is right there, as I mentioned, and the airship there. And so it seemed like the Lord just shine, shone his, shined his, his rays of glory down. You know, we talked a bit about that this morning, about the glory of the Lord, and just a small glimpse of his uh, majesty. And, and, so, and so then we flew out uh, in July, and uh, we flew to Nairobi, Kenya, to meet... Uh, to attend my son's graduation. Um, my son Joshua, he graduated from Rift Valley Academy. And so we flew to Nairobi. While we were flying, while we flew, while we were driving from Nairobi to the school, I snapped this picture. I thought it was interesting. You know, they, like there they have, there are laws that you shouldn't drive and, and be on a cell phone at the same time. <laughs> and it <laughs> doesn't seem like th this guy's pulling his weight. <laughs> And so we are at Riffiela Academy, where my son Joshua was graduating. This is our son Nathan uh, and his wife Chichi, and our first grandson Jonathan. And uh, they were able to attend again. They were working in Zambia, but now she was able to get her American visa, and they are now working with us at Tepsi uh, in Michigan. Our daughter Jeannie, she works as a teacher at. Uh, at a Christian school in Rwanda, but she's, uh, she, she will be leaving there uh, at the end of this month, and she will also be teaching, uh, she will also be taking the one-year course at Tepsi uh, in the fall. And this is our daughter, Julie. She works with AmeriCorps. Uh, she's about to finish up that, and she'll be trying to look for another job. And so talking about the Ezekiel Project, the Lord has been leading us. You know, Chris Schroeder, you know, we were talking to him on Skype uh, from Zambia, and I was telling him that we were going on furlough. He says, hey, John, what are you doing on furlough, by the way? Well, you know, we go around, we travel around, give reports and stuff like that. Hey, I got the job for you. <laughs> you know, so if you know Chris, he's very persuasive, and, and uh, he, he uh, encouraged us to come and 
to do some teaching and some maintenance there at the Ezekiel Project in Michigan. Uh, so the Ezekiel Project, if you want more information, you can look at tepsi.org. Uh, my wife Karen has some uh, uh, a bit of literature. If you want more information, you can see her afterwards. So as I mentioned, started by Chris Schroeder in 1992. And it's based off the, the scripture Ezekiel 22, uh, 30, which says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. So the Lord continues to seek for men uh, and women to, that he can use. The Ezekiel Project aims to stand in the gap between heaven and hell by preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the perishing. Uh, it is our desire to put the goal back into the gospel by reaching people that will never come to a church. We train and equip Christians in evangelism so the gospel can be presented in a clear and simple way. We want to reach the lost where they are using simple tools and to aid in illustrating the good news. And so we first learned about it uh, back in 19, oh, sorry, 2012. We went to Chicago and did an open-air uh, a seminar on evangelism. And this is, oops, what happened? Oh, my. <laughs> what did I do? I pushed the wrong button, I think. Okay. And so... Um, uh, yeah, so we attended this one-week seminar, and uh, so they give us training, they, they show us how to do the art illustration, and then, uh, then we go out onto the street and present the gospel. Now, part of that training, we, no, they sent us all on our own, you know, without any other uh, to be with us, you know, and uh, so I'm there, I'm sharing the gospel on the streets of Chicago, I was wondering, why is no one stopping to listen? Why aren't they standing and, and listening to what I'm saying? Well, then after I saw this picture, I noticed this sign. It says, no stopping, no standing. <laughs> okay, well, that explains it. <laughs> and then my uh, son, he also took over, and we found a better location, and the, some of the staff members are... So when you have a, a bunch of staff with you, uh, that's where, uh, like, a crowd draws a crowd, you know, so that works a lot better. But the, anyways, uh, so after the presentation, we have opportunities to share one-on-one uh, -on -one with individuals. This is the Ezekiel Project in Michigan. Uh, or that's not a very good build. Uh, that's, that's during the winter, but uh, that's the building that we use. It um, doesn't look like that now. It's nice and green, but then, so anyways, uh, this is... Uh, uh, myself and Karen and Josh, who's attending the, uh, the course. This lady here, she was a caterer at Sakeji School. She just stopped there to visit us. Nathan and Chi-Chi, they came down. They came in uh, November. Chi-Chi's never seen snow before, so it was quite a shock for her. And uh, these are some of the students. Uh, our son is here. And so... Um, this is another class. Uh, they had a, quite a large class that year. And uh, I teach a class on missions. So you can see uh, I, they got the point of my message. <laughs> and uh, also every uh, Wednesday we go out to the campuses of universities like Michigan State University or, or uh, the U of M 
to present the gospel. This is in Times Square, and uh, this is on the, in, Flor in Florida during spring break. Uh, sometimes they would go down there to do uh, seminars. And uh, when it's cold and snowy and we don't want, we can't go outside, then this is a, a, uh, a rescue mission in Port Huron, Michigan, that we go there and share the gospel with them. This is uh, my son's graduating class. We just had a graduation last week. And so this is a, a, a key verse that I like to use in my missions class, but, and, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so I like to encourage them, you know, especially we go out not on our own strength, but under, the, under his strength. And uh, we are witnesses, both in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was their home. And so that's the starting place. That's where we all, as born-again believers, need to start and then work out from there. And so I'd just like to share with you uh, some of God's word uh, from Isaiah chapter 6. You can either look on the screen or in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. And the first verse reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now I wonder, why is the King Uzziah, why is, what's the significance of King Uzziah being uh, mentioned here in this verse? Um, to give you the context, you know, Isaiah is being called of the Lord to serve him. And so it starts out with King Uzziah dying. Now, what is the significance of that? Well, just in, uh, I don't want to read that passage to save time, but King Uzziah, who was he? He was a king. He, was, he, he became king when he was 16 years old. And uh, he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. He was, um, well, there were two types of kings. There were those who did what was right in the sight of the Lord and those who did evil in the sight. He was one of the good ones, you know. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord for most of the time. And that's probably why the Lord blessed him with such a long reign. And uh, King Uzziah, the Lord prospered him greatly. He, he, uh, had vic um, he defeated his enemies in battle. He uh, had a great army. He had a great armory. He even invented... Engines, that's what it's, the King James says, engines or devices of war. And um, uh, he had great gardens and great cattle and, and wealth, and, and he was very prosperous. The Lord blessed him tremendously. But then in that chapter it says, but when his heart became strong, uh, sorry, when, uh, when his heart was lifted up, when he became, sorry, when he became strong, his heart was lifted up. In other words, he became full of pride. And, uh, and so then he went, he thought, well, I want to do the work of the priesthood, you know. I want to. So he went into the temple, he took an incense, uh, a thing full of incense, and went into the, into the temple to offer incense to the Lord. And, and uh, the chief priest, Amaziah, Azariah, sorry, he went 
and met him. He came in with 80 valiant men. These 80 men, they were, they weren't, they were the priests, and, eight, and they were valiant men. And so Azariah, he went in and he talked to the king. He said, king, you should not be here. You, this is wrong. This is only for the sons of Aaron. You need to get out. And the king says, he was very angry. He became upset. He said, I'm king. I can do what I want. No, you need to get out. And he became angry. When he became angry, he broke out in leprosy. And he, he, he remained a leper for 15 years after that. And so he was in seclusion. He was, he was no longer on the throne, but he is in isolation uh, because of his leprosy. And so you will see how he is somewhat, uh, how we can con connect these two together. In verse 1, you can see there are two kings mentioned in this verse. King Uzziah and the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. And so if you compare these two kings, you know, there's uh, his heart, uh, uh, Azariah, his heart was lifted up. Uzziah, Uzziah. Uzziah was, his heart was lifted up. But the Lord, he is already high and lifted up because of who he is. And uh, the king was, um, King Uzziah, he was... Um, he was occupying the throne, but now he's no longer occupying. Because of his leprosy, he's no longer occupied. His throne is empty, but the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, he is occupying his throne. He was, Uzziah was, was a leper. He was unclean. He was uh, just the opposite of the Lord, the Lord, the King of Kings. He was holy. He's absolutely pure as we will see in these verses. Uzziah, he coveted the priesthood. He wanted to be king and priest. But the Lord, we know that he is both king and priest. He's the only one who is authorized to be king and priest. Um, Uzziah could not be priest because he was not of the line of Levi. He was not from the tribe of Levi. And, um, but the Lord, he was, he was both king and priest after the order of Melchizedek. You know, there's a difference between these two temples, the temple in Jerusalem and the temple in heaven. The temple in Jerusalem, the difference between the temple in Jerusalem and the temple in glory is the temple in Jerusalem did not have a throne. And so, um, um, and so we, we continue with um, the next verse, which says, Above it stood seraphim, uh, each one having six wings. Two he covered his face, and two he, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Two he covered his face, showing... Uh, reverential awe. Two, he covered his feet, showing deep humility. And two, he flew, showing complete obedience uh, to the Lord. And the one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We talked about a bit about this this morning. We sang a holy, holy, holy. And, and so certainly 
the Lord is holy. You know, I was wondering, why, why holy? I believe that the Lord, you know, why didn't uh, he, he, why don't they say other words, you know, that describe the characteristics of God, you know, like good, 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 or, or um, wise, wise, or whatever. But he said, holy, holy, holy. Three times he wanted to emphasize who he was, the absolute purity and holiness of, of God. And it did impact Isaiah tremendously. In fact, in his, book that he, in his book that he wrote, the book of Isaiah, he refers to the Lord as the Holy One of Israel 25 times. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. You know, I often wonder, why, why is the house filled with smoke? What causes this? You know, in the Old Testament, we see uh, sometimes where the glory of the Lord is, you know, per like, perhaps uh, like at the tabernacle, there would be a cloud. When the Lord's presence was there, there would be a cloud covering it, or as the, the cloud would lead them. Or, um, or in the New Testament, during the transfiguration, a cloud covered them. Uh, why? Perhaps it was the glory of the Lord, you know, that if we were to see the glory, the whole glory of the Lord, we would perish. Um, and so perhaps it was to obscure his complete, full glory. I, I don't know, that's what, just what I think. Um, but, but then he said in verse 5, And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a, a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. You can imagine uh, Isaiah seeing the, you know, as much as he could of the glory of the Lord, and then when you see his awesome glory and holiness, what does that cause? Uh, what does it cause him? What does it cause us? When we come into the Lord's presence, we see ourselves as unfit, unclean, and that's how Isaiah felt. I remember times when I'd get alone, and perhaps you have too, where you just get alone with the Lord, you meditate on his word, and you sing hymns in, in your heart to the Lord, and it just the Holy Spirit moves upon you, and you, tears come from your eyes, and you say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. I don't deserve your mercy and your grace. And, uh, and, uh, the Lord, and, and Isaiah, he says, woe is me. Woe is me. I, am, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. I'm unclean. I'm undone. Undone. What does that mean? You know, the, you know I am coming unglued. I'm, uh, you know, I think of uh, if, you have, if you have shoelaces, you know, and your shoelaces come undone, you fall and you step on and you fall on your face. Um, if your clothes become undone, you know, you get embarrassed and ashamed. And, and that's what sin does, you know, it brings shame. Um, he is um, distressed. He is undone. He knows that he is unclean, but the Lord is absolutely pure and holy. And he dwells in a uh, dwells. Oh, and he says, "And I'm a man of unclean lips." Now, why? Why? I wonder why does he say I'm a man of unclean lips? 
You know, did he say some bad words? Uh, I know when I was growing up, I was probably a young, young boy, young man with unclean lips. <laughs> you can ask my mother. She would take a bar of soap and wash out my mouth with soap. <laughs> How many here have had their mouth washed out with soaps? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it works, doesn't it? <laughs> it works. I haven't forgotten. Um, but he com- you can see that he confessed his own sin before the sins of the people. And he says, my eyes have seen the king. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He thought he was a dead man. He has seen the, the glory of the Lord. You know, the, the, uh, John, the apostle John, in Revelation chapter 1, you know, he had a vision of the Lord. And it, what, what does it say? I felt down as, I felt down as one as being dead. You know, we read in Scripture, no one can see God and live. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a, in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. You know, I was wondering, how can a live coal touching your mouth be make you clean spiritually. Well, we know that this is a picture, the coal is a picture of uh, a coal from the, the altar, which is also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And so we have the, the, we have the conversion and the cleansing of Isaiah here. And then in verse 8, uh, we, we will see the commission of Isaiah. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Here am I, send me. You know, teaching a missions class, um, I, you know, the word mission comes from the Latin word missio. Missio means sending one, sending, sending out, that is. And so we know that God is a missionary God. He's a sending God. He's the one who is sending uh, believers to serve him. And he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. And God said, go and tell this people. Go and tell this people. And that is what the Lord speaks to us as well. He is the one who is sending all believers. He says, go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel to all the nations and teach them all that I've taught you. But I am with you. Don't worry, I am with you. And we have so many promises throughout Scripture that he promises that we don't go on our own strength, but he is with us wherever we go. And so just to finish, I'd like to share this uh, song with you and these pictures. Um, with you. By the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my
I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Till their hearts be satisfied. 
Thank you. I think our brother has a song.